get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry! Stewart! All right, we're back. Another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. <laughs> I haven't said that in a while. It's been... Uh, well, yeah, T- typical not, not in 2023. Yeah, the first episode of 2023, <laughs> and we're eight, eight days in. But uh, we took a, a nice hefty break for the holiday season. I think our last episode was the 13th or the 17th of December, and uh, yeah. we took the Christmas break off. Uh, like, uh, Well, apparently the Ducks now. I was about to say like like the Ducks did, but they actually went on a roll over, over the Christmas <laughs> break. So. Right uh, and a and roll for the Ducks is winning two in a row and going 5-5-1 five, five, and one in their last 11. It's not... It's not exactly a roll, but when you yeah. when you're as bad as the Ducks have been this year, you can count it as a roll. The two game winning streak is still a winning streak, so yeah, hundred percent. It's it's like uh, you know, it's a they're going really you know the downhill roll. It's just like a, a slight bend down. You're just gonna get there, and then we're gonna slow up probably at some point. Yeah, only <laughs> the Ducks could go 500 over 11 games and still get outscored 39 to 22. And have their goals per game dip lower than it was last time we checked in. Their goals against average dip a little. It was a little bit better. Just still allowing four goals per game. Power play was worse, but the penalty kill was better. The penalty kill jumped, I think, like four percent. Now it's 29th ranked in the league. That's the first time I've seen Ooh. all four of those stats not ranked either last or second last. So now we're we're out of the yeah, bottom. For third last, I like and it. We're, we're we're getting we're getting somewhere with it. So is that that's a that's a two in front of that nine, isn't yeah, it? Wow, it's I'm used to threes. I'm only. used to seeing 31st or 32nd, and now we're ranked 30th because uh, the the Blue Jackets have fallen a little bit. Over the the last little stretch here, and now they are. I think they have like the same record as us, but we've won. We've played two more games and lost two more in overtime, so that could that yeah. could end fairly quickly. But I think they lost. It's kind of so. surprising. You think with Goudreau, they they probably would have done something. I mean, yeah. with Line A there, Line A healthy, Goudreau. Uh, yeah. They brought in Ken Johnson to play this year, but no, it's. They don't have anything else, and I think Wierenski went yeah. down. Even like that's not going to be a huge yeah. boost, but he went. They down. do have a lot of interest, yeah. That so I mean everybody knew Chicago was going to be as bad as they have been. Um, mm-hmm. Arizona's there, San Jose, Montreal. So kind of all the teams everybody expected to be bad. There's really been no surprises. Like Philadelphia last year, I don't think anybody expected them to be as bad as they were. All the teams right now in the bottom ten. I think the only surprise is the team that is like tenth of the the, the tenth worst team in the league. And that's Florida mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, that's a little surprising. But they may kick it in later, kick it in another gear. Yeah. And they kind of had a little bit of that turnover. I think they've lost, like Barkov was down for a bit. Um, yeah. Losing Huberto, bringing in Kachuk, changing that. I think Ekblad was out for a bit too. So it's. Uh, that's all star Kachuk to you, sir. Oh, oh is there, was he their selection? Yeah, oh, he's their selection okay. to the all star. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's been good this not year. Your, so. Not your boy Barkov. Sorry, you're no, sad here. I know, I'm in one. But I, I, do like, I do like Kachuk too. There was a, there was a moment where we all. We all thought it was possible he'd come to Anaheim, and obviously that uh, uh, wouldn't that be nice. But, um, we have our own uh, <laughs> our own young star who's developed over the last ten games. I'll say eleven, but we're not going to count that seven nothing loss to to Toronto, which yeah. was the game right after we released our last episode. So we won't count that one. But over his last ten games, Mason McTavish leads all Ducks forwards and players in general by a, a mile he's got 12 points five goals seven assists next highest is Zegers and Henrique with seven points 
I don't remember when he was elevated to the top line. I think it. I don't think it was at the beginning of that ten game stretch. Maybe over the last five no. games or so. I think it's something like mm-hmm. that. Like it was somewhat recently uh, that uh, Aikens kind of uh, promoted him and kind of did that because uh, I, I. I almost want to say it was maybe after the Philly game when yeah. we lost four one and we just looked abysmal. I think at that point he's like, all right, let's let's shake it up, get Zegers on a different line because I mean they. You think with Zegers and Terry, uh, I think they only have like one goal like in their yeah. last. I don't they know, started like seven, so th- hot and then it's not like it's yeah. it's fallen off. It just in the way they started, it hasn't been as consistent so yeah yeah but uh but yeah i mean a lot half of those points come in the last two games because he had six points in the last two (laughs) games and four points against the sharks and and that shows from getting elevated to that top line but it kind of feels like it i would like to give dallas Aikens credit and say it's it wasn't just random and it's progression over the season like we saw with zegris when they were able to send him down to san diego and get time at center and bring back up like they've just slowly been building to this and now we're like at that half season mark, so maybe this was the point they felt it was possible. I don't know if I want to give him that much credit to say that that it, it wasn't just a reactionary thing and it just it just worked out. But we've we've been saying all year like this guy needs to get he's played well in a reduced bottom six role. He needs to get some top six minutes at center, and um, no surprise the way he's played this year that that he ends up you know, playing so well at, at that number one center role over the last little bit. Like he he really did. It's not like he looked better over the last few games compared to what he's looked like all season. I just feel like the, the opportunities are more playing in that top six, and he's obviously getting more minutes too. Yeah, I, and I would say that too. Just, uh, you know, I was talking about, like, I mean, he got the, the four points against San Jose, and, you know, he, he wasn't, like, super flashy. So it wasn't, like, something where I'm going, like, wow, look, at he's just zipping all over the yep. place. This guy's really just yeah, tearing it up now. And it's just like he just kind of kept doing his game, but he was doing it a little bit better. Uh, granted, it's against San Jose, uh, but he's he's demonstrated that over the last you know ten ten games and whatnot of uh, getting the on the score sheet, uh, but not doing much different. And so that's kind of kind of fun to watch. And then you just see probably as it moves along in his career, it's just like every year just makes another step, and he's just got a little bit more speed, a little more size, a little bit more instinct, a little more in the right spot at the right time. Uh, which is kind of a contrast to what you see with Zegras. Like you know when he's zipping around yeah. and he's doing all his things. McTavish is just you know low key doing all the right things through through the entire game. Yeah, like you know when Zegers gets the puck on his stick, and most of the plays that he makes that result in him getting points are usually something at least a little bit flashy or exciting to watch. And McTavish, and and not in the play style, he reminds me about the way kind of Getzlaff put up points, right? Where it's just like in a variety of different ways, and every now and then he'll show you like a, or like the the shot McTavish had against the Sharks, like a really. Mm-hmm. impressive powerful shot or he'll pull off a move or make a really good pass we've seen that occasionally for mctavish he has that in his skill set but he's just kind of a guy who's just in the right places at the right time you look at that other goal he had against the sharks like it comes off the boards uh he's just right in front of the net and he's able to put in like he just always seems to find himself in the right position but he's got that ability to pull off the fancy play every now and then he's just kind of quickly found his fit right he's on the power plays the trigger man now and he had to work for that over the season it was zegers spot at the in the year and he ended up you know playing there for a few games and it worked out and now that's his spot and now he's been given the opportunity to play 1c and he's taken advantage of that on the first try and now that's seemingly for the rest of the season unless things go bad that's his spot so he's been an opportunist for sure this year and when he's been given those elevated opportunities he's took it and run with it and even when he has been in the bottom six or on second power play unit he still played well so there's really not been 
a stretch of games where you've looked at him and said, oh, he's not been good this year, he's not ready for it. Like, he's been good all season, and now he's finally getting awarded those opportunities because really nobody else has is, is been playing well enough to, to take him either. Yeah, exactly. It's like at this point you would say, you know, there's no one to really kind of solidify that that 1C spot. And uh, with, you know, Ludstrom out and you also Derek Grant's not playing, uh, they, there's a limited number of centers. So at this point, jump in, show everyone what you can do, and, and just kind of um, – take advantage of that opportunity because uh, it's it's obviously something that he was going to get to at some point, and he's getting a little bit better opportunity earlier than anyone would have thought. Yeah, and I think a part of it, too, is is the fact that Zegers was shifted to the wing. He was When he was playing with Henrique at center, Good. yeah, he was splitting face-offs with Henrique and you know winning a, a few every game, but it was struggling there, and they I think they made the switch again to get a bit more continuity down the middle. And McTavish takes every draw when he's out there, right? So now Zegers was essentially playing the winger while also playing center and just playing center during the pace of play. But I, I liked what I've seen from Zegers on the wing, a little bit less responsibility in his own end. Not that he's been a detriment there, but it gives an opportunity to a guy that looks like he can be a center, you know, the, the prototypical type NHL center at, at this level where he stepped in and taken that role and. I mean, Zegers could shift back to center at some point here, but I'd, I'd like to see him at wing for the next couple of games and just see how it goes. I was just going to ask him, well, do you do you really hate the fact that he's no longer center? I, I don't feel like he got sh- not necessarily shoehorned in there, but they, they had an idea that that's where they yeah. wanted to put him, and it just it didn't really ever seem to fit. And when he has to worry about, as you do as center, about the face-offs, about this side of things, about defensive side of things, and quite honestly, that guy's just, you know, 90% of his game is just offense. You know, he can learn some of those things, and hopefully he works on some of them. But I, I don't personally care if he tries really, really hard on defense. If he's giving me 110% on offense, I'm okay with that. Put somebody else in there who's going to maybe hopefully pick up that slack uh, that he might be going off. But, I mean, are you are you happier that he's more on the wing, or is it something where, you know, he, he's more dangerous if he stays in center? I think he's going to be dangerous no matter where he is on the ice. Um, I'm, I'm, it's kind of indifferent about it. Like I, I don't think him playing at center awarded him any more opportunities than playing on the wing. And like the Ducks have a track record of of guys who played center at the junior whatever level they came from of trying to play them at center if they had started or were drafted to centers and seen it work out. Sam Steele, Raquel. You know, uh, William Carlson, they all started as centers, and whether, you know, Raquel's case did not turn out to be a center, Sam Steele's case, he's playing center now, uh, but was put at the wing um, a lot of times in Anaheim as well. So I'm not surprised they, they played him at center. They didn't have a lot of options last year, and he looked good when he did play at center. But I think this year, with McTavish being in the lineup with Henrique, with Strom, like you've got some other options, and it affords you that opportunity to play in the wing. And I think there's a lot of people out there who from the beginning with Zegers believed he'd be better as a winger. So I think his skill set suits it. I don't think he's he's going to be hurt by it. And I think the Ducks have enough other options to at least try it and see how it goes. But, I mean, at any point we could see it go McTavish and Zegers down the middle and Henrik and Strom shift to the wing or Strom gets put down to the third line and, and they run with those three down the middle. So they at least have options to see how it works. Yeah, I'd rather have Zegers on the wing, less responsibility through the middle. And I always think if you're kind of on the wing, 
you're a little bit uh, lost sometimes, uh, you know, on, you know, if you're attacking defense, I mean, obviously they're going to pick up where everyone is, but their main focus is probably going to be more to the center of the ice, whoever has it. And so I think sometimes he can slip in and out of there a little bit easier. And he's so sneaky in that way that I think it would be more advantageous over a career where he could play wing rather than always being the guy in the center, moving through, having that the puck uh, all the time, or at least fixated in the middle um, yeah. where everyone can see him a little bit more. And they could still have him do that as a winger as well. Like he is, there is an advantage to having Trevor Zegers be the first guy to pick up the bu- the puck at your blue line and skate it up into the opposition zone because he's really good at doing that and gaining uh, entry into the opposition zone. So you can still have him do that as the winger. He could be the first forward back. He's going to roam no matter what. Like he's just going right. to go. I don't matter what position you put him in. He's just going to go. Well, this is open, so I'm going to go this way and that sort of deal. So <laughs> yeah, there, there's not too many other players on this team I'd want to pick up the puck at their own blue line and try and gain entry into. The opposition zone. I'd really say it's Zegers number one, and probably Troy Terry, Terry. number two. Um, and if if you know Zegers doesn't have to be a center, there's there's no written rule that says he you know you have to be the center to be the first guy to pick it, it up. It felt like they were trying to make it that way, though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. They were they were trying uh, to to force him into that that role a little bit, and and to make it be this you know the way their I guess their structure works. And what a lot of teams is the center is the first one back, at least defensively, and usually is the guy to get the. If the defenseman is not carrying up a foul or Klingberg isn't carrying the puck up, the center is usually the first one to get it. But we've seen even the last couple of games with Zegers on the wing that a lot of times he still is the kind of the first guy to grab the puck, the first guy back to, to carry it up the ice, which, again, with the skill set he has, makes a lot of sense. And with the center he's been playing with, too, he has the ability to do that, right? There's nobody else really on that line that, that is as skilled as him as gaining entry into the opposition zone. So I'm, I'm fine with it, yeah. at least for the next couple of games to see how it works, and especially with the way McTavish is playing right now. Why not spread the wealth, get it on different yeah. lines? Well, I, I'm glad you're on this show for this one, <laughs> but another oh, young thanks, player Ed. to talk about. Well, I'm glad you're on, on any show, but anytime we get to talk about goalies, it's always better when we have you on the show for that. <laughs> Uh, because we miss all of Lucas Dossel's starts uh-huh. because his first actually I think we Ottawa might have been the first start so we me and Steven did the post game show for that one that was our last show so I think that was his first start of the year and then he rattled off six starts after that mm-hmm. um, played great mm-hmm. he looked excellent and he really got forced into that role because Gibson and Stolars were both hurt at that point um, it's officially listed as six starts because I think he came in in relief or he got pulled in the game against Toronto. I think it was a relief effort. Um, that might have been yeah. the game where Gibson got hurt, I think, or where Stolarz got hurt. Huh. I'm trying to remember because I know, yeah, because Gibby got hurt. I think he got Stolarz, hurt against Stolarz Toronto. Stolarz has been out for a while. Yeah, I think, I think Gibby, Gibby got hurt against Toronto after letting in two. Two, and then, yeah, in he came in, in the last five. five. Yeah. So that hurt his numbers. His, his official numbers, he went 2-3-1, and one, 909 safe percentage, and, and a 3.53 goals against average. But his numbers really get tanked from that five goals on 15 mm-hmm. shots against yeah. Toronto. Other than that, I think... Five of the seven games, he had above 920 save percentage, a couple 40-plus save performances. He looked excellent. And then yeah. not only that, he goes down to the AHL and rattles <laughs> off back-to-back shutouts. So Yeah, when he could be depressed about, hey, I'm no longer in the top club, come down, I'm just, I'm just going to get a couple shutouts. You know, who, and, and it's not like the goals are a great team, and he went back and all of a sudden was just you know, yeah. part of this great winning team. They've struggled all year because most of their – great top end prospects are up with the ducks while they're trying to retool and get this thing going so the fact that he just drops down and uh he does even better than an amazing little two-week performance that he had uh up in the uh the, the big leagues is uh quite a 
it's what we've always been hearing too is just is to the mindset of what he does is it doesn't bother him he just whatever game he's in he wants to play and he wants to win and that's an amazing attitude to have especially when you can back it up with talent and yeah. skill yeah, I, unfortunately, as we're as I'm looking now, he did have a not so great game. He got pulled last night <laughs> against Milwaukee. Let him, <laughs> That's all right, we'll but it happens up. every now and then. <laughs> but like, and and they're not they weren't even casual shutouts. Two thirty nine saves and forty saves um, that he had he'd rattled off in those two wins. Well, uh, we got him uh, nice and prepped for those high shot counts when he played yeah. for the big clubs. And if you want to <laughs> if you want to see the the options that the goals are really limited right now, he. This is a back-to-back. He rattled off a 40-save shutout on today's Sunday. So on Friday, he rattled off a 40-save shutout against Milwaukee and then played against them again last night, and that's when he got pulled. So that that's tough. A full 60 minutes where you faced 40 shots, and they said, you know what, we don't have any other options. You're going to go again tonight yeah. against the same team. So that that's a tough spot. And and the, like you said, the goals aren't a good team. Uh, but this guy yeah. just thrives. Off. Like he faced an average of 36 shots against in those seven games. For the Ducks, like he he was getting shelled, which is no surprise. Mm-hmm. Gibson's been and Stolas have been dealing with that all year. But you're throwing a guy into the fire, and he did pretty much everything he could to show that he was ready to to play at the NHL level. Barring again the the, the Leafs game, but the Leafs are one of the best offensive teams in the league, and it happens to everybody. So yeah, and hell, he got a he got a win against uh, Connor McJesus and Edmonton. Yeah. So I mean. If you can shut them down, I mean, obviously, I think uh, uh, McDavid scored a goal. But, I mean, if you can beat that team and that high-powered offense with the worst defense and worst goals against in the league, uh, that's saying something. Um, and on a personal note, my dad even knew who he was. And he's a Kings fan and also knows nothing about the Internet or anything like that. So he's just, like, really old school. And he's, he's like, well, you guys had that really good goalie. He played really well. And I'm like, oh, thank you, The, the yeah, news the is future. spreading. <laughs> he's, he's the future. So, like, you, you don't want to give Duck players compliments unless he really has to. But he did on that one. And I said, yeah, well, watch, hang around. That's the future. This guy's going to come in and do it. Uh, obviously... At what point he kind of takes the reins uh, is probably a few years away. I definitely think it's within their window. I think he starts his window the same time the Ducks really do. So it's kind of set there. Mm-hmm. That only obstacle that's kind of there right now is just uh, Gibby and his contract. And when is it possible to move him um, or if he's willing to move? I, I think at some point he will. I think the contract's a little bit hard because I think he's still got like four years on it. Yeah, And that's hard to put him on a a team that would want to take on that contract and doesn't already have a really good starting goalie. So he's kind of stuck there. Stolarz is probably a piece you could move, but then that means you probably keep Gibby for two more years and Dostal has to be a backup, which means he's not playing a whole lot of minutes. So it gets kind of, unless they do a 50, 50, you know, with Gibby and Dostal, that could be a a possibility too. It's not, it's not the worst situation. I think to, if he takes over the backup job next year, um, similar yeah, yeah. transition to what we saw when Freddie backed up Hiller and took over the starting job, and then Gibby backed up Freddie and took over the starting job. So it's that's a, how you do it. Yeah, and and I would honestly love to keep Stolars too, if if we could. It's just you can see Dostal is just that that next level, and is yeah. going to continue on that way. And as amazing as Stolars is, um, yeah, I would imagine with this being a contract year again, we probably more than likely would trade him. Um, if we were going to, I mean, not Gibby, if we trade a goalie at all. Not to say we even have to, you know, next year. So we have two options, I guess, then, right, is 
you either trade Stolarz now or let his contract run out and then Dostal becomes the starter next year. I, th- I think if their plan is to bring Dostal up, then you likely move Stolarz at the deadline. So let's mm-hmm. just say you have to move a goalie at the deadline. One of them comes back next year. So if you move Gibson, you sign Stolarz, you play him with Dostal and they do a split. Or you trade Stolarz as the pending UFA and you run Gibby as the 60% starter and Dostal plays you know, the back-to-backs in a few odd games here or there. What, what would be your ideal situation? Crap. Well, there's two different things. There's uh, what I know all the, the goalies can do and, and where I feel we have the best opportunity. I also am conflicted because I think, well, what's good for the Ducks and what they're going to be doing in the next couple of years? Uh, Stolarz, even though I know he's a great goalie and he will flourish on on whatever team he goes to next. I, he's just that good of a goalie. He absolutely can be a number one on, on most teams. Um, I think that most of the NHL doesn't quite know in such a small sample size that he doesn't actually have a whole lot of value to trade. Um, but I think Gibby's contract for, I think it's like five or six million over the next four years, that's just, it's going to be so hard without taking and holding on to a few of those millions for the next few years. So I think the closer that contract gets to ending, the easier it's going to be able to move Gibby and make Dostal that number one. So in my opinion, you only have Stolarz for, you know, um, under a million for the rest of this year, you trade him, get what you can for it, whether it's a draft pick or, you know, you know, a prospect. I don't know exactly what they're going to get for him. But they should be able to get something of value. Dostal comes in, sees the end of the season, probably sees a little bit more starts than he would in a season that was starting good or is, you know, ending with a playoff race. And, yeah. you know, you would always go with Gibby. So that gives him probably more starts. Gibby comes in, he holds the reins for another year. Dostal's the clear backup. You see where next year takes you, and then where the team is at the end of that is possibly a trade in the offseason where Gibby goes, you know, not this season, but next season after we see how everything is going. Because then he's, at that point, he's only got two more years on a contract. Might make sense to us, you know, a little bit better numbers wise, but. Um, there's still value there for Gibby. It's just hard with that contract. It's just it's hard to justify for other teams. Yeah, yeah. I, I know Eric Stevens. I think he put an article recently or was on another podcast or something. But he mentioned that um, he either mentioned that the, it's it's more likely the Ducks could move him or kind of speculated on if the Ducks could move John Gibson. I'll have to go double check that. But brought it up. It comes up every year over the last couple of years near, near the trade deadline. Now that the Ducks have been bad and whether. He might be out the door. I, I don't think it's possible. Again, the logical and the most likely option seems to be Stolarz on an expiring contract to move out the door. And personally, for Dostal's development, I think that's probably the better route. Like, unless you're getting what you want for John Gibson, there's no point in moving him right now. And if you move Stolarz at the deadline, and from what most teams do and what the Ducks have done over the last couple of years is for that like final 15, 20, 15 or 20 game stretch, they just split starts anyway. Mm-hmm. So you could bring him in, he can play more games down the stretch, give Gibson a little bit of a rest. Like you said, the games don't really matter at that point. And then you bring him in next year as the bona fide backup behind John Gibson. And... You know, Gibson still gets, you know, 60-70% of the starts. You know, maybe Dossel starts the year playing just the back-to-backs. And then as the season goes on, if Gibson struggles, then maybe at that point, you know, Dossel has the opportunity to take over the starting job. I think that's the best path for him to, you know, kind of have to win that job from John Gibson. And like we mentioned earlier, that, that has been the path that we've seen from a lot of young Ducks goaltenders in the past is that they've come in as the backup and slowly taken over that job and allowed the Ducks to move 
the opposing netminder. And like you had mentioned a couple times too, that you know John Gibson's contract gets easier to move every year that gets chipped off that deal. Yeah, and it's good for for the development because um, when you are mostly AHL or you're not the NHL style of uh, hockey, it's good to come in as a backup and A, not have all the burden on you, but B, just to see how a full season goes, what you have to go through, what your players do, get more familiar with uh, the situation, get a little bit more comfortable, and then you know, depending on the goalie, it just, it, it either, it clicks and you, you know, uh, progress very quickly and you challenge for that spot or, you know, you just continue to do the backup things and then kind of get a little bit better as you go along. But, uh, next year I would honestly think it's going to be a Gibby and, um, uh, Dostal, uh, combination, you know, like I said, they'll, they'll probably give you a whole bunch of, of playing. So maybe that's more like 70% because Gibby wants to play. He's still technically in his prime. And I'm sure if they were planning on moving him, they probably want to showcase him a little bit more and see what he can do. But at the same time, if the Chucks aren't really good, then I don't even know if you want to do that. So yeah, we, we might have Connor Bedard next year. So <sighs> you don't know. That's, mm-hmm. that's the dream. Did you, did you watch that the, is the dream? <laughs> did you watch the world junior, the world juniors at all? Ah, uh, no, no, I don't care about that stuff. No, All I no, care is Zegers is in no, it. No Zegers for Team See, USA. See, the thing Asia, was, right, I had so. to turn it off once you guys cheated with that uh, USA goal that got pulled away. Two of them. Two of them got pulled away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like... I turned it off after the first one, so I didn't even know about the second one. Yeah, I was watching the, uh, <laughs> I guess it would have been NHL Network feed or whatever the U.S. feed was for that one. And, yeah, they were not. I don't know who the broadcasters were, but they were not happy about that. One. They they were borderline. Um, but they're borderline at NHL level, right? Like, apparently yeah. the double IHF rules are are a little bit stricter than yeah, that. Yeah, they're but. different. Like, if you're in the crease and you make contact or something like that, it's like you, you can't do any of that at any point yeah. if you're in the crease or something like that. So it's it was a yeah. weird one. And quite honestly, uh, Canada was going to win. You have Bedard. I mean, yeah. what did the guy do? What, 20, 24 points or something? It's 24 points. Yeah, he, he beat <laughs> uh, the all-time World Juniors points record. Um, and if he wasn't such a phenom, he would be able to be eligible to go again next year yeah, too. Yeah, but uh, but like, he beat Lindros. Yeah, Lindros record. <laughs> Lindros had thirty-one points for Canada at the World Juniors in like twenty-four games. Bedard beat that. Um, he beat the single tournament record for points. He beat Canada's all-time record for goals that Everly had. Like he just he smashed every record. Man. Sucks um, he'll never be in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's just got to stay an amateur, and then he'll, he'll yeah. be able to go. There you go, forever. <laughs> um, yeah, hopefully. I mean, that's that's the goal. We've talked about him on every podcast. He, he had his return to the WHL tonight. Uh, he had four goals and six points and 13 shots on goal. <laughs> I heard two of those goals were shorthanded. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, he's just, he's, they're that's literally playing him in every opportunity they have. Um, I'm going to tell you how many games he's played this year. I want you to see if you can guess the astronomical amount of points he has. Okay. okay. 36 games he's played this year. How many points do you think he has? I got I to think somewhere in there he's about a three-point-a-game person. Um, so I, I'll go 95. Yeah, it's almost right on 93. Ah, I was close. 93 points and 40 goals in 36 he should, games. He, he should have done better and got to 95. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. You can get to 100 yeah, next see, game. It seems so. like that. It's like if, like if he has a bad game where he only has two points, the next game's five. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just like all right, I'll make it up on the next two games or whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's unbelievable territory. There hasn't been um, this much hype around a draft since McDavid, and we think yeah. back to Crosby and whatever. So, 
um, Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, and he was Arizona. a roller, ho- a roller hockey player too. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. I saw that little feature at the at the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. So, and apparently he smashes smashed everything in his parents' house. Well, they just let him play hockey. Yeah, I saw that. The same base twice. Yeah, yeah, it it, it helps when uh, his, his parents seemed a, a little well off anyway. So you can break a couple bases. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's the dream for for the Ducks at the end of this season is to to come out with with Connor Bedard. I think that's the dream for any of those teams within within uh, shouting distance of getting him at this point. And I just I just wish more. I mean, casual Ducks fans, uh, ones that you know. Don't get in the weeds of it like we do. I just wish you could kind of go like, all right, don't get mad about this season. If there's a season to suck, it yeah. is this season. This is our season to be bad. Don't cheer. Don't get mad. So it's hard to watch the games. Um, I'll be honest. So yeah. I can understand being frustrated. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, you just always got, all right, there's a there's a master plan behind this. There's a plan to get, get that guy. Just got to get that guy or one of two other people behind him. I mean, uh, quite honestly, I mean, Bedard's the ultimate prize, but second place is is nothing to uh, you know start at. Yeah, so, even even like the top three or four this year are are very good um, options as they are almost every year. But it's just with Bedard headlining it this year, it, it's hard to even look at the rest of the guys. And even you know, Bedard feel like was, you lose if you don't get him. So. Yeah, and and going going into the World Juniors, like Bedard and Fantilli were right there because Fantilli was having a great year with Michigan, like almost a historic. Paul Korea type NCAA season with the points he was putting up, and then they go into World Juniors and Fantilli puts up six points, which isn't bad, and then Bedard puts up twenty four points, and you're like, okay, there's a there's a bit of a gap here for for uh, the the talent level, but yeah, I, I think the tough thing too is like at least with a team like Chicago, if you're a Blackhawks fan, you knew the plan going into this year, like they sold everybody before the season. There was talks about Taves and Kane going, like you knew the plan was to be bad to get this kid. And yeah. if you're a Ducks fan who's just, you know, and I hate to use the word casual, but if you're not, you know, focusing on the draft, which is fine, or anything like this, you'd see, okay, we brought in Strom, we brought in Vitrano, we brought in Klingberg. Like, we made additions to, to you know, offset the loss of some of these guys. We have Zegers and Terriot coming off great years. McTavish is going to join the team. There's some excitement. People are talking about playoffs. So then to watch it go in this year and fall apart, which, again, a lot yeah. of us expected it would, I think that's where the disappointment comes, but yeah, you have to you have to kind of hint at them. There there is a light at the end of the tunnel because hundred yeah. percent, yeah, and it's and it's yeah, same thing as like I don't like a casual fan because it's like demeaning in some way, like they're not smart to know what's going on. But it's it's the people who watch the team and love the team, but they don't know what the farm system is or the guys we have waiting in the wings. When we get, when I hear people go like, oh, you know, we're we're just we're just a mess. We're not going to have any defense. This is just you know we're never going to be good till we have defense. I'm like, just wait, we we got two guys. We got two. Mm-hmm. Good guys, it'll be here any day now. You just wait and add in dry hits still uh, with that, and uh, yeah. it's just it's it's gonna look really good. We just gotta suck this time. We just gotta be really bad this time. <laughs> It's it's sad and, and not in a bad way. Just like for forget it, you kind of forget about Drysdale a bit the way the season has gone because he's been hurt and, and he's going to be out for the rest of the year. But yeah, like I'm I've got a note in here. We're going to talk about one of the guys you mentioned the the two young defensemen the Ducks have on the way. Um, one of them is Pavel Mintikov, who we'll get to in a second, and then Owen Zellweger is the other. Won a gold for Canada at the World Juniors. Looked excellent throughout the whole tournament. He just got traded today in the WHL. The return is is ridiculous. <laughs> like it's, oh, yeah. I heard there's a bunch of like draft picks probably. Involved. Yeah, uh, he got traded from Everett to Kamloops for four first round picks, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, and four players. <laughs> so, what? Yeah, I bet. See, I don't even understand. 
<laughs> how miners do those trades. Like, yeah, it's it's just the the top end players because they're so much better than anybody else. They just when you can win it, you you mortgage the farm. And and Kamloops is hosting the the Memorial Cup this year, so even if they don't make the playoffs, they get a trip to the Memorial Cup no matter what. So uh, those those teams always when they can host it, they it's kind of crappy. Yeah, they always kind of crappy rule. I don't like that. No, I no, I don't think anybody really likes it um, <laughs> because it allows them to to move, you know, the the, the picks for all that and, and kind of attract some of these players to their teams because oh. they get a free trip to at the, least the a most, chance, and then that so. looks good going into a yeah. draft. Okay, so they'll still pro- they'll still compete in the playoffs, and they could win the playoffs. The funny thing is, they could win the playoffs, and then the team they beat. Would then still go to the Memorial Cup is like oh you well they host it so you get to go as well <laughs> yeah so it, but yeah an unbelievable package but it's a it's a guy last year who was that that league's best defenseman should have won the best defenseman in, in the entire Canadian Hockey League and he's been unbelievable this year for and every yeah. team that hasn't been that good so he's yeah, we got him yeah and and he has just proven everybody wrong with the the size debate for him only being like five nine five ten. Uh, at every level he's been at so far, he's excelled. And then the other guy is Pavel Minchikov, who's also breaking records in the OHL, and 54 points in 37 games, which is it ranks third in the league, not even third among defensemen. <laughs> yeah. Like it's third in the league. <laughs> yeah, uh, he became the first OHL defenseman in history to win three straight Defenseman of the Month awards. That's a league that's produced Ekblad, Doughty. Uh, I, I know there's many others. I'm trying to think off the top of my head of, of great defensemen that have come from the Ontario Hockey League, but there's been several amazing defensemen. Norris winning, Subban came from that league. Like Norris winning defensemen in the Ontario Hockey League. Nobody has ever won three straight Defenseman of the Month awards in that league, and Pelominchkov has done it. And he's just, yeah, I think a stretch of seven games where he had seven straight multi-point games. Like he's been. So he'll probably win the uh, the heart. Or whatever that equivalent is uh, for the most valuable player. For that, I would that think league. so. Uh, uh, if you finish like if you finish top three by the end of the season in points and you're a defenseman, unless the other guy is you know thirty points ahead of you, then yeah, I mean you have to as a defenseman, right? Like, and I think he's only five points off the lead. Um, Sarnia yeah, has so a player, who's, yeah, who has like fifty nine points, so he's. Not it's not like Bedard has ninety six points above him, right? Like he's only five points yeah. off the lead, and I think um, he played last night and had two goals and an assist. Like it, it's just he's like a forward out there. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. So if uh, if you're concerned with the Ducks defense and how it's looked this year, um, you've got two really really good young good players guys. on the way to add to Drysdale. So it's yeah, and not, not to mention Tyson Hines at the World Juniors, he, he, a really good steady defensive defenseman. He had a great tournament too. So you've got a, a lot of good young defensemen on the way. So. Add uh, oh. add Bedard to that, and it's uh, is looking good. <laughs> exactly. Embrace the suck, people. <laughs> um, the only other thing I had here is uh, Troy Terry, second time All Star, joins Getzlaff, Perry, Korea, Solani. Is I think is the only two time All Stars with the Ducks. I saw the tweet. I don't know if there was. An... I guess Gibby, right? Gibson would have been. Yeah, Gib- yeah, Gibby's yeah. done it multiple times. I know because usually if he goes, he then immediately sucks for the rest of the season. Yeah. Like I mean, like horrifically bad. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't translate to Terry. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Gibby. I know he did one. I think in like '97 or something like that. Yeah, I don't think he did. We've I had a, a bunch of uh, one and done's. Trying to think of Fowler did one last year, right? Fowler went last year. No, I didn't think. Oh, no, did. Terry went last year. I, I thought Fowler had year. one, or maybe, maybe not. I don't think so. Yeah, 
But there's been a few. I think um, Bobby Ryan must have had one. Maybe. Uh, but man, maybe so. not with Getzlaff and Perry, right? So no, I don't think so. Um, I'll have to look it up and see. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. That'd be great uh, prep work before the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't think I'd be talking about who else were all stars. I kind of threw myself under the bus with that question. Um, But it's well deserved, right? Like Mm -hmm. 33 points in 40 games right now leads all Ducks players uh, in points. Only one close to him is Zegras and now McTavish with his stretch of games. I think the only one you could have argued is Zegras, but when, again, Terry's been just as good and is is leading the Ducks in points this year. He makes sense. And Zegers could still get in. He's eligible for the the fan vote, which is returned to the John Scott format where you could vote anybody in. (laughs) Interesting. Now, I'm... Well, all right, because I didn't really follow what's going on with the All-Star Day. Are they kind of doing it where the NHL did like they did last year with Zegers, where they just pluck him out and just put him in some sort of uh, thing? No, No, they they did that last year, but they're not doing it this year? No, I, I, I don't know... I, it made sense. Like, he was just so flashy last year, and they were trying to do it because they couldn't justify it. Like, he, he wasn't going to make it over Terry last year, though the points that were getting produced, but he was doing so many things, that he was so marketable that they just found a way to put him in there for that one event. Yeah. This year, he's up for the vote, and I imagine because of how popular he is, not even, like not obviously just in Anaheim, but outside of Anaheim, like, he's one of the most popular players in the league right now. He ha- I, I can't imagine many other Pacific Division players that would get voted in over him. Well, so I think not, he's going to go. Like, who's not on there? Because one, one of the three needs to be a goalie. I know that. Yeah. And so that up. makes me think, uh, just given the goalies in the Pacific Division. No, they'll probably do Copley. I was thinking, is like, they're another goalie that would they would probably get in. I think Copley's played so well, they'll probably put him in. Um, so that leaves, like, two, I think just two more forwards, or two more players. I figured Drysdale's got to get in there. Not Drysdale. Uh, Drysidle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's going to go in, and then there's got to be somebody else. So right now it's Terry, Kadri, McDavid, Fiala, Carlson, Beniers, Logan Thompson's the only goalie right now, and Elias Patterson. Each division will have one goaltender and two skaters voted in by the fans. So two skaters. So whoever's the highest-ranked goaltender will get voted in, and then the two highest-ranked skaters will get in. So of so, all those teams, so, um, so Dry Drysaddle is going to get in. He's he's. I imagine he's got. I can. Yeah, I, I think it's Drysaddle and and Zegers who probably get in. I I'm trying to think of like more popular players, um, at least players that might have popularity outside of their market. Like you know, Drysaddle definitely in Seattle. I don't think anybody would really get voted in. San Jose, no. L.A., they're, you know, I don't think anybody's really voting Kopitar. Uh, Mark Audi. Stone, maybe. But you think Mark he's getting you know, outside of Vegas and Ottawa? Do you think, uh, like, yeah, uh, Vancouver, mm-hmm, like, Horvat, Miller? I, I, I just think in terms of a popular, because it's a fan vote. It's, it's everybody, right? It's not yeah, just your fan base. So, like, I would, I would say the most popular player outside of dry saddle probably is Zegers. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see Zegers get the most votes just because of how popular he is right now. So I, I would imagine Zegers gets voted in or the NHL rigs it so he can be in there or something. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah there you go, right? Um, dry saddle <laughs> probably gets in. And then the other goalie, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I would I would either say Gibby, like Gibby gives him the chance if they want to try. No, I, I don't even want I to I just don't even ever. think anybody would, would vote Copley. him. I yeah. would just say Copley. I think yeah, I think Copley could get voted in. I think because there's no one. Markstrom might Markstrom might get voted he in. He hasn't been he has been that good. Yeah, but it's he just down to the good. fan vote, right? Like they could vote. Yes, but uh, other than that, like goes uh, injured, he's not showing up. No one in Vancouver would be showing up. Yeah, 
Um, San Jose, no. Seattle, no. San Jose, there's no way they're getting a goalie for that one. Yeah, so I can um, see Copley. I, mean, I can see people voting Copley. Feeling good about how he's played this year and helping L.A. I, I can see him going. He deserves to go out of any other goaltenders here. If we're talking yeah. about guys who deserve to And he's to been go. hot real recently, too. It just depends if mm-hmm. whether or not people know him. Yeah, exactly. But if it's a popularity contest, a name like Phoenix, they might actually vote for him. So. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, no. But I, I think Zegers ends up going. It's um, what I used to do and, uh, whenever you do it at high school. Like, uh, you had to, like, vote for a student council or something like that, and I really wouldn't care. I just, like, look at your name and go, eh, that's I like that cool name. I'll pick, I that, that guy. Guy. I'll pick that person. <laughs> I think that's how it's going to go for the goalies. Like, no one knows Stu- Stuart Skinner from Edmonton's going to go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's all I got for major topics. We try to keep it short for this one back just because we had so much to cover, um, or at least so many games to cover. The, those were kind of the headlines of, of coming up. We have a game that's about to start here in the next 10, 15 minutes yep. against the Boston Bruins. So we're, we're moving to our uh, Ducks game predictions prediction. presented by 714 Tickets. And we'll first prediction is tonight's game. Everybody's going to be hearing yeah. this after the game. Uh, yeah. But who do you have tonight? So let's get it right. <laughs> uh, I got Boston. Um, I don't. I, I don't know, man. This could go so many different ways. I feel Boston is a top team in the NHL. The Ducks are uh, just barely beat San Jose, uh, but Boston also beat San Jose pretty handily. Um, I just think Boston's too good, even though they're playing back to backs in less than twenty four hours and traveling from San Jose down to Anaheim. Uh, I still think sometimes you're just kind of still in that hockey mode. And when you're as good as that team is, uh, and especially as much as they score, I was looking at their stats earlier, like everything's in the top three or four in the league. And the Ducks are like everywhere in like the bottom three and four in the league between goal scores, goals against, power play, penalty kill. I mean, just all of that stuff. So um, hopefully maybe they take the Ducks lightly, but I doubt it. Um they're just too good and too uh, too experienced to do that. So I, I don't think the Ducks uh, get to that magic number three win tonight. Yeah. The the only regulation loss, or the last regulation loss Boston has is November 23rd yeah. against the Panthers. Other than that, they lost against Vegas. Uh, or, or no, sorry, they lost December 9th, 4-3 against Arizona. Uh, but they've, they've a month had... Ago. <laughs> One regulation loss in yeah in the last two months. Over the last twelve games, they're ten zero and two. Um, yeah, and like you mentioned, they are the highest score or second highest scoring team in the league, the best defensive team in the league, the fourth best power play, and the best penalty kill. And the Ducks are on the opposite end of that spectrum. I don't see this yeah. one going well. Um, if they win, it's going to have to seemingly be an overtime or a shootout, and they're going to yeah. have to have probably a 45, 50, or a UC Soros type night for yeah. you know, 64, 64 saves or something yeah. like that. So yeah. that's uh, gonna, I, I'm going to say the most obvious answer here is going to be a Boston win. Yeah. Hopefully, it's just not ugly. It's not like a six nothing, six one, or something like that. If they keep it close and, and have a good game. My prediction is they'll keep it kind of close, and then Boston does what they do is they just grind it out, and then we'll actually just win it late. That's four two kind of game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Wednesday. This is so all three games are at home. Wednesday, January eleventh, seven p.m. start. Anaheim against Connor McDavid and the Oilers. What do you got for that one? Well, with no Dostal, um, I would probably say Edmonton is is also likely gonna to win this one. Um, I mean, Edmonton's such a an oddity. Uh, yeah, they it, score it a lot just, of goals, but it they just allow depends a lot of if goals. they score a ton of goals. You know, if they score enough, 
Um, there's enough, you know, there's enough time in between the Boston game and when Anaheim plays Edmonton because uh, they don't play until Wednesday. There's two days in between there. Uh, a lot of times they can kind of get things together. So uh, I still have to kind of put Edmonton on this one. But I also would have put Edmonton the last one, and Doss don't prove me wrong on that. So yeah. I, I'll give the Ducks because I think they'll lose the other two games because just how good New Jersey and Boston are. I I'm going to give them the edge here. I think I think they'll get a win. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, like a four three five four type game. But I th- I, th- I think it'll be an overtime, and I'll, I'll give them the win because I just I just don't want to say they're going to lose every game mm. the way they've been playing. So <laughs> I'll uh, and I, I think Edmonton's so bad defensively, and the Ducks have shown in some games that they can score a lot of goals. And usually when they score a lot of goals, they also allow a lot of goals too. So I think that one's going to be a high scoring affair, uh, but also the ducks edge them out in that one. And then the last game of the week, they get the weekend off. It's Friday, January 13th, another 7 PM start against the New Jersey devils. The big surprise this year, second in the Metro 25 wins out of 40 games. What do you got for that one? Well, a Friday of the 13th game mm-hmm. already. Don't like it. Yeah, already not a good one. Number two, the the real reason that they will lose this game. It's not that New Jersey is great and the Ducks are struggling <laughs> as a team. It's that me, Pat, and Dave will all be at that game. Oh, so that's an that was our loss. That was our Christmas gift. So we are the Hex. Uh, I'm sure I will spend more money than I absolutely should be spending (laughs) (laughs) um, just to drink enough to to dull the pain of another horrible Ducks game. (laughs) I just assume because any game I go to is going to be horrible. So I'm the kiss of death. They will lose that game. (laughs) Yeah, I I think even even though New Jersey has been bad as of late, they've lost 10 of their last 14. I just think the role that Jack Hughes is on, he's going to roll into this game and just obliterate the Ducks. He's got, um, what is this, eight goals and two assists in his last five games. Uh, he's got 26 goals on the year. The, the team plays well enough, and I think for this game they don't play a back-to-back. Let's see, or It's the first of a back-to-back, so they play the Kings on Saturday. So they won't be tired for that game. They'll be well-rested. They're, they have three days off from their last game against Carolina, so they'll be a well-rested team. I think it's probably get over here earlier, hang out for a little bit. Yeah, so I think that one's going to be a loss, um, and it'll be fun for Zegers and Jack Hughes and all their buddies. So that will be a fun game for yeah. them. Hopefully, they go back and forth and dueling hat tricks or something like that to make the game interesting. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, as it is every week with these predictions, they're usually not that exciting to talk about because it's usually you know, the Ducks will probably lose. Um, but yeah, I, I think they ultimately lose that one against New Jersey before heading on a five-game road trip. For the next couple well, that of that adds that. a ten game homestand. That's yeah. just it's sanity. That's weird. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> ten home had many five of, on the road. I haven't had many of those long homestands. I think for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. all right. Well, that does it. Did you have any? You got anything else you want to hit on? Or? Uh no. Glad to be here in a new year. Didn't <laughs> I like I like Eddie with the beanie look. That's real cool. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, you got to rock the Christmas stuff, right? So yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's what this is. Yeah, I noticed that when I first came on the, the reverse retro. I still have to get Finally. myself one of those. Thank you, Dave. You got a, a name on the back yet or no? Oh, hell no. No? Rocking it. No, I mean, I can, but... Uh, no, I like rocking them blank. I support, I support the team. Yeah. I just... Uh... I don't really need. I think all my all my jerseys are blank except for the two I've gotten as guests. One's a Korea and one's a Perry, and the rest of them are blank. Oh yeah, I won one, which is a Temu Solani one, which uh, a signed Temu Solani one. So I actually won that one in a raffle. So I don't wear that, but that's the only one I have that's actually got like a name and number on it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think 
Well, I don't, the, the Korea one, again, was a gift, but it wasn't signed. But, yeah, if you if it's signed, you got to have the number on the back. Like the, the Perry one I have is signed, and I don't wear it anymore, but you, you got to have the, the name and number yeah. on the back for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, we should hopefully be back this weekend, um, depending on scheduling. I know Stephen wants to hop back on, too. And uh, Pat and I were going to do a show, but then my internet cut out, so Pat was going to return to the show. So this one's on me this time. Yeah, not on, not on Pat. crazy Canadian internet. We were ready to go. He was he was confirmed. He was good to go and record on that day. And then uh, yeah. somebody decided to <laughs> unplug my internet from one port into another at, at the actual outside <laughs> port. I don't know what happened, and it shut down for the day, so that was fun. Uh, that, that was yeah, that was your, that was your fiance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not, no. not podcasting today. So, <laughs> not, not <happening>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we should be back this weekend. The Ducks are off this weekend, so whether it's Saturday, Sunday, we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to be on that show, but we'll figure it out. Whoever's available this weekend, and we'll try and put one together for you guys. I think there's four games next week, so ideally we'll get one out for the weekend. But thanks for listening, guys. We'll try and be back live uh, soon. This one just wanted to make sure we could actually get it out because it's been a month, so didn't want to have any problems. Yep. Uh, yeah, and then uh, try and find uh, me and Pat uh, over yeah. at the uh, game on the uh, Friday. Yeah, so tweet it out, get, or you, I think you or Pat something or other. <laughs> you or Pat have access to the Twitter, or uh, you should. If not, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah so tweet we'll, it out. We'll, we'll tweet it out, and then I don't know. Maybe we'll meet in between periods somewhere where. I can spend an enormous amount of money on a small amount of alcohol in, in front of the uh, the was it the Paul McCartney <laughs> picture that we took that picture in front of. Yeah, uh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, that was on the first floor uh, where he was like looking at your yeah, beer. That that's where we have to. That's where you guys have to meet. So, uh, all right. So thanks for listening, guys. If you want to help us keep going throughout the season, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Search for Evermighty. Leave us a rating and a review. Uh, we'll read it on the show. I know we say this every time we do a show that we'll read on the show. I haven't checked it in like a month, so we'll go through and check them, and then we'll read them on the show if there's any new ones. Uh, we do appreciate them, despite the promises of reading them and not reading them. Um, <laughs> we're also on Spotify. You can leave us a rating on there now as well, so make sure to do that if you haven't already. All video versions of the show exist on YouTube, so you can go to youtube.com slash Podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Uh, and put on the little notification bell so you know when we release because our release schedule is very sporadic. So if you want to know exactly when the show comes up, put the little notification on and, and you'll get a, a nice little ding on your phone when we release an episode. Uh, check out the website at forevermighty.com to find everything in one place. So where to watch, listen to the show, how to support the show, where to find us on social media. Nice little bios of everybody too on there if you want to learn a, a little bit about Oh, yeah, I, I did that a long yeah, time a long time ago, right, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we might need to update those files <laughs> a little bit. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Forever Mighty FM. Mine's at Eddie Van Jones, and Jason's is at Jason underscore Lamb. And yeah, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks everybody who joins the streams when we do do them. And we'll see you guys later. Enjoy the game tonight. Bye guys.